you are listening to the Eating Disorders Recovery Podcast with me, Tabitha Farrar. Hi. So, first podcast in a while. As I said, I was going to take a little break and I have. Um, But I'm going to get back into probably doing some podcasts again. And a lot of that is due to I have a scheduled (laughs) scheduled surgery, try and say that fast, on my right ring finger. Um, I was lunging a horse and it was just silly and not the horse was silly, just it, it did it did actually do something silly, but the accident was silly. It was it was a non-event and I don't even know what happened. I managed to break my finger. I got it tangled in the rope and um, and that was three months ago and it's supposed to have healed and it didn't. It's all bent. <laughs> so I have to go and have it rebroken, which is just ridiculous. But I think it means I won't be able to type for a while. So I might actually be recording more podcast um anyway so today actually uh, it's just me and I'm all I'm really going to be doing is I want to put out a call for um things that you'd like to hear on this podcast and um I've got I've got a couple of episodes lined up already I've got um a chat with Dr Gaudiani coming next and then I have a dedicated episode to a friend of mine and after that, I'd like I'd like to hear from you about who you would like to actually have as podcast guests, and um, also what you what you'd like to hear me talk about because I do get uh, I get a ton of requests via YouTube, and so every day on my YouTube channel I just answer a question. Um, I don't do that as much with the podcast. I prefer to interview guests, but today I'm going to answer a question and. Um, It's about atypical anorexia, which is a topic that it's really sets my teeth on edge. I have to admit, even even hearing those words, atypical anorexia, just is like a little bit of a bug in my ear. Um, And the reason for that is because I just think it's 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 words for the sake of words. It's just anorexia. There's nothing atypical about it. The only thing that atypical stands for in atypical anorexia is Basically, it's saying this person is not in a skinny body. That's that's what the atypical part says. So atypical anorexia is usually used to describe a person who displays all of the symptoms, shall we call them, and behaviours of anorexia, such as restriction, um, fear of weight gain, uh, food rules, All we could go on and on, but you, you get it, those sorts of things. They just don't happen to be also in a statistically underweight body. And I say statistically underweight because they can be in an underweight body. Their body can be under the weight that it would naturally be if they had not been restricting. But if that's underweight for them is not underweight according to a BMI chart, then it's not considered underweight, which is also ludicrous if you think about it, because you know people come in different size bodies. It's a bit, say if we were talking about height, that would be sort of, well, a person is not um, le- less than the height that they should be. You could chop their legs off at the knee. But so for me, if I'm six foot, you could chop my legs off at the knee and I wouldn't be considered under height because I could still be the height of an actual person. But, of course, I would be less than the height that my body is supposed to be. It's ridiculous that we do, that with, with weight, it's everybody is supposed to be, regardless of their genetics or anything else, everybody's supposed to be on in the same sort of range. Of course, people should naturally come in all different shapes and sizes. But 
it just doesn't make any sense at all then that say if a person's beautiful natural unsuppressed body weight is a BMI of 25 they could be restricting food pretty heavily exercising compulsively doing all of the things and they could be a BMI of 22 and that would not be considered underweight would it because it's not below 19 or whatever the magic number is now but of course that person is quite underweight for their body because they're supposed to be around the 25 range and so that's really the thing with atypical anorexia it's just saying oh well we're not going to call it anorexia because you're not under a bmi 19 which or or even lower in many cases it depends which country you're in but um which is just ludicrous. It's saying like you are demonstrating all of the behaviours and all of the mental state markers and everything that would be associated with this illness. However, your weight is not under a certain criteria. So therefore, we're not going to say that you have this illness. We're going to say it's an atypical version of this illness. And I think that the reason that the word atypical, when put with anorexia, so atypical anorexia, annoys me so very much, is because it's actually very typical. It's very common for a person to have anorexia and not be skinny, and not be statistically underweight. It's it's typical, actually. It may even be more typical. It's just that nobody picks up on it. (laughs) So because the criteria for anorexia has always been a person that's drastically underweight or statistically underweight, that's because the criteria has been that. It's probably always been the case that the majority of people with actually anorexia are not massively underweight. They've just never, it's never been, they've never been in the classification. And so atypical anorexia is likely more typical than anorexia is. And I know that sounds like a word conundrum, whatever, but it is actually what I'm getting at. It's that it's just the fact that all of the symptoms and behaviours of anorexia can be there in a person who is not in a thin body and they can be completely ignored and even encouraged. And so, of course, it is not considered that that person who's restricting heavily, exercising compulsively, obsessed with food, obsessed with weight loss, scared of weight gain, they can be doing all of those things and it can be completely ignored and not even considered that they have anorexia purely based on their body size. And so that's why atypical anorexia and the phrase just annoys me so much and infuriates me so much because I work with hundreds of people and you know what? Most of them are not in very, very, very skinny bodies. Some of them are in larger bodies. Many of them are in larger bodies. And they are still doing all of the things that I was doing when I had anorexia. And a lot of people in larger bodies who I work with are actually or have been restricting far heavier 
than I was when I had anorexia. And yet, they are still, just because they are in a larger body, their doctors, their therapists, whatever it is, will still not say to them that they have an eating disorder and they have anorexia. Because if you're in a larger body, it's assumed that you should be dieting. And so that's that's the difference. When I was there in my very underweight body, what I was doing was was people were telling me that's restriction. You're not eating enough food. And then there can be a person in a larger body that's actually eating less and restricting more than I was when I was restricting. And they're just told, oh, you're just dieting. That's good. Well done. It's just so mind-boggling. Um, and it's all to do with people not being able to see past body size. And I used to um, binge eat as well. I've spoken about this so much. And sort of after after a while, most of us can't maintain straight restriction. And our bodies just, and we start binging. We, and I had a binge restrict cycle. Um, I stayed relatively underweight for the duration of that. But when I binged, I was eating colossal amounts of food, huge amounts of food. And then I'd restrict and I'd exercise like crazy because of my fear of weight gain. But when I binged, I was eating huge amounts of food. And if anybody saw me eating large amounts of highly caloric food, because I was underweight, they would congratulate me. Now, the same thing happens with people in larger bodies or medium-sized body or whatever size body. They restrict food and then they binge. But what happens when a person is in a larger body and they binge is they are told that that's bad. And that's the binge. When a person is in a larger body, the binge is all that other people see. So with me in my very underweight body, I would binge and people would generally say, that's great, you're eating. And they'd still see my restriction though. They'd still see me not eating as much as I should the next day or whatever. And people would notice that a lot of the time. Sometimes they wouldn't, depends who I was with. But when a person is in a larger body and then they they binge and then they restrict, but the restriction is just not noticed. The restriction is not seen. And often the restriction is not seen by the person who's restricting themselves because they are so used to a culture that tells them that eating nothing but salad for lunch is perfectly acceptable, not just acceptable, it's desirable, that they don't even see what they are doing as restriction. And it's often only when I explain to them, you are eating less than I was when I had anorexia. And that's the only, the only difference between you and I is that your body is, is not considered underweight. That's the only difference between the thing, the behaviors are the same. The only difference is the size that our bodies were. But if you think about it, your body is actually underweight because it is under the weight it would be had you not been taking action to suppress it. And it's only when I can really explain it like that, that some people that are in larger bodies and are heavily restricting and are wondering why they are binging, start to understand that they actually are restricting. They just hadn't even categorized their behaviors as restriction. And it's the same with compulsive exercise as well. Compulsive exercise is so rife in our society. And it's noticed, it was noticed when in me, I got 
barred from three gyms. I think I've told this story on a podcast before. Uh, I, I, I used to get banned from gyms because of the obsessiveness of which I worked out. And that the reason for that, though, was because I was presenting in a statistically underweight body. Now, I have worked with people that have been such compulsive exercisers, but it's always congratulated because they are not presenting in that statistically underweight body, despite the fact that they are in a body that is underweight because it's under the weight that it would be had they not been taking action to suppress it. But it gets congratulated. And that's so toxic and it's so dangerous and it, because it makes it so sustainable, even more sustainable. And when the person who is themselves has the eating disorder cannot see and that their own actions are restrictive and compulsive and all of those things because the culture and the society around them celebrates them and says you're doing the right thing and even their medical providers actually especially their medical providers a lot of the time are telling them to restrict further and to exercise more despite the fact that they are under the weight that their body should be it's really difficult for a person to understand that they have a restrictive eating disorder when all of the messages that they are given is that they're doing the right things. In fact, they should do more of it. And the mental torture is just the same as it was with me. It's just the same. The obsessing about food, the fear about weight gain, all of that mental torture, the mental hunger, it's all the same. The only difference is, is that they started in a larger body and so they finished also in a larger body than is considered a body that has anorexia. We have to stop using the term atypical anorexia. We have to start understanding that actually, typically, people with anorexia are not presenting in super skinny bodies. In the same way, we have to start to understand that people with anorexia are certainly not always female or white and all of those other things. So that's what, that's the answer to the question that I had, all my thoughts on atypical anorexia. And as I said, I usually answer those in um, YouTube videos, but I might start doing more of them in podcasts. So feel free to send those as well. And I often elaborate more in the podcast. I like to keep the YouTube videos very short. Um, and I really hope that some people listening to this will start to consider the term atypical anorexia and start to consider that the only difference there is that a person is not statistically meeting a body weight that is considered underweight. And also that you would start to consider that in any size body you can be underweight if you are under the weight that your body would naturally be were you not taking action to suppress it. Those are all the really important points that I want to get across here. Because if we can start understanding that atypical anorexia actually isn't really a thing and it's just all anorexia, we can start helping a lot more people that are suffering right now because they're trying desperately to continue to suppress their body weight and they're suffering mentally and physically and being told that what they're doing is the right thing. So, as I said, there'll be a little bit more podcasts coming along. I'd love to hear your thoughts on what to do the podcast on and just an update on me. Um, 
because I never, I don't really give those. I mean, I just told you that I have to have my finger rebroken, but uh, things have certainly shifted for me over the last year or so. Um, I was working full time as a recovery coach, which was wonderful. Um, but some of you may know, and if, if you've read Love Fat or any of my blogs or probably said it on podcasts before, that before I had anorexia, my passion was always horses. I was obsessed with horses. And anorexia actually really took that away from me for a good long time. And one of the things uh, that gradually has been just get, becoming a larger and larger part of my life again over the years since I've recovered has been more and more horses and more and more animals in general. And last year, uh, we moved out of our place in the um, town and we moved out to a farm and I couldn't be happier. And that farm is actually an equine assisted psychotherapy nonprofit organization, which I am now the executive director of. So one of the reasons that I've been doing less in terms of podcasts is because I have a full time job as the executive director for a really quite large nonprofit which is wonderful and I love it. But I'm very passionate about this work and I don't ever see myself stopping doing this work. So what I've done is I've dialed back on the coaching. Obviously, I can't do two full-time jobs, despite the fact that when I had anorexia, I thought I could. Now, I have no interest in doing two full-time jobs. And so I, I do a couple of hours coaching and coaching is really my side job. Um, and I, I want to keep it that way because I'd like to still be able to create these free resources. They're very important to me. And coaching is very important to me as well. I love working with people with restrictive eating disorders. They're always so smart and intelligent and funny. And that will always be a part of my life as well. The coaching will always be there. I just can't imagine my life and not doing it. But my things have changed and all good, I'm very happy to say. And life for me really since full recovery has just been an unraveling of, of things. It's almost like my life is working itself back towards the way it should have been had I not had anorexia. It's like it's just beginning to circle back. My interests certainly circle back to the interest that I had before I had anorexia. And I haven't forced that it's just seemed that it's just been the path. It's just gradually moved more and more back towards horses, towards managing a horse yard. And I've always been, I've always done nonprofit work. So the ideal dream job for me is, is working for an equine assisted psychotherapy nonprofit, which I now do. And it, it never ceases to amaze me how since I got my health on track and I focused on full recovery, and I really went through it and I really put my body and my health first. It just never ceases to amaze me how life sorted itself out. Because it, when I when I was sick, when I had anorexia, of course my body was a mess and my mind was a mess, but just everything was a mess. I, I was working dumb jobs. I, I was lonely. I had no social life. I didn't know who the, I didn't know who I was. And then I had no idea what I wanted to do apart from I knew the things that I had to do, which were all dictated to me by my eating disorder. And it, it's just incredible to me how life takes over again when, when I put my health first and when I'd sorted all of that out. And so this is just, I'm always giving these messages about how important full recovery is and how it's worth working for. I guess that's just another one. 
work for for recovery because I know I'm not the only one I've seen it in my clients and it's just one of my favorite and the most wonderful things to see and to hear for and to get emails from people years later when they're like you know I get so many that are just the most wonderful emails that are sort of a couple of years later after maybe been working with somebody and they start to do well and then I'll get an email about I got this job or often very often it's the I'm pregnant email and it's just wonderful and so it's it's not just I know it's not just me that full recovery does this stuff for because I witness it in my clients after they've recovered just the way their lives start to fall into place and of course recovery is not a guarantee that everything always is going to work out and be fine that's you know, life is going to still be life and sometimes life is shitty, but it's just the way things start to fall into place for many of us after we focus on getting ourselves healthy. Anyway, so you can email me. My email is info, I-N-F-O at TabithaFarrar.com. You can also contact me via my website, which is TabithaFarrar.com. And I would love to hear your ideas for podcast guests. Thanks for listening. Cheers and until next time. Cheerio.